Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. Today, uh, we're going to jump right into this. So in 1990, there was a Christian group called DC Talk right? Uh, DC Talk was it. In fact, in 1990, they released their second album. This is the album that really kind of solidified their place as maybe the greatest Christian group of all time, right? And of course, that is debatable. However, they had a song on that album called New Thing, and it was not spelt how you would think. It's not N-E-W-T-H-I-N-G. No, it's N-U- T-H-A-N-G, because it was hip hop and they were hardcore, right? So new thing. And this was the song that was like huge, right? It was so big. And as a six-year-old who was only allowed to listen to Christian music in his pastor's home that he grew up in, DC Talk was it, right? And that song was where it was at. I had the cassette. You still have the cassette. That's amazing. So I had the cassette, right? And I would go into the the living room where the big stereo was in the house, and I would put that cassette in, and I'd be like, you know, who's doing it? Who's doing it? Right? Come on. You know the song. Don't act like you don't. Don't be embarrassed, right? So that album, it was certified gold. In 1990, this was a huge deal, right? It it was certified gold. DC Talk had arrived. Now, that song kind of obviously uh, faded with with its popularity over time, and, and it's not a real popular thing. A couple years ago, a great thing happened where somebody put a video out on YouTube of what is known as the New Thing Kid. This kid, in in all sincerity and with as much kindness as I could possibly say it, had no business ever being on a microphone or in front of a camera to be recorded, except for such a time as this, right? We're not going to show it now, but I strongly encourage you when you get home to go and look up on YouTube, the new thing kid. He is awkward and he is terrible and it is, it brings joy to my life. It absolutely brings joy, but it caused a resurgence of the popularity of the song for just a brief moment because it went viral. It was this big deal and it's absolutely crazy. The kid, it's funny. Like he just, Man, it would be like me trying to rap. Like, that's just how awkward it would be. It would be awesome. So it's so good. But, but it, they had this song, New Thing. And it was all about God is doing a new thing. And, and they're doing it, he's doing a new thing in our lives. And he's doing a new thing through our music. And it was this whole thought and idea of this new thing that is happening. So here we are in 2019. And, and, and the cool thing about a brand new year is that all of us do this, this, this thought of, and maybe not everyone, but the majority of the world has the idea of what are the goals that I'm setting for 2019? We call them New Year's resolutions most of the time, but, but the idea is we are setting goals because we want to be a better version of ourselves in 2019, right? So we set physical goals. We set, uh, uh, you know, just as far as fitness goals. We, we maybe even set financial goals and, and how are we going to manage our money? And then we set all, make all these goals and then we come up with like time management goals so that we can accomplish all of the goals that we had set. Because in all reality, the way we live now, there's no possible way we could ever accomplish everything because our time management is so out of whack that we go, okay, new goal. I'm going to manage my time better so that I can read 438 books this year. And I, you know, we put these unrealistic expectations, right? We do those things because the idea is we want to be better, right? We want to be a new us. And so we go with these extremes and we say, okay, by the end of the year, I'm going to bench press 500 
600 pounds and uh, three times, and then I'm going to curl, uh, you know, 680 pounds with my right arm, and uh, and then throw it to because I'm going to be this just super ripped jack dude. I'm going to put on like 40 pounds of pure muscle. I'm going to be down to three uh, percent body fat in, in the healthiest way possible, right? Like this whole thought, we have these outlandish ideas because we want to be a new, better version of ourselves. We all do it, and there's nothing wrong with it because they are motivators, right? And they push us and they cause us to want to be better and to do better. But I think the thing that we miss most often is what is the new thing that God is wanting to do? And we try to accomplish these things and do these things out of our own, out of our own volition and our own ideas. And those aren't bad things, right? Like I said, those are good things. Who, we, we should have financial goals and we should have fitness goals and we should learn to manage our time better, right? Those are things that we need, but, but do we stop Say, okay, God, what is it that you are wanting to do in my life? And if my voice sounds really weak, I apologize. I don't ever sing anymore. Uh, and so, because I just sang, now I'm like weak over here. But I, I promise I'm okay. I just, uh, I'm not sick any longer, but nonetheless. So today I want to jump into Isaiah chapter 43 and look at verse 16 through 21. Verse 16 through 21, and we'll go ahead and read it. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He says, he did all this stuff. And he says, then he says this, this is great. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Who's doing it? God is doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Let's just give just a hint of background, just a smidge of background. Here's where we find uh, essentially Israel, really Judah, so the, the Judean people right here. They are now, in this moment, they are captive by Babylon because this is the cycle that Israel goes through, right? Where they, where they repent and the Lord says, okay, come back. You know, I love you. And he never stopped loving them, right? Understanding it. And he says, you know, they repent and then the God's like, okay, all is well. And then they begin to allow false gods and other things in. And the Lord says, forget this. Uh, you need to be realigned. You need to be punished and brought back into alignment. Dan, thank you so much. Uh, the Bible says that he who brings cold water in my name is blessed. So um, Dan, you are blessed and highly favored. Um, <clears throat> much better. So we have the, Ju- the Judean people. They are in, in, uh, under captivity of Babylon, right? So King Nebuchadnezzar is, is ruling over them. And so here they are in the midst of yet again being in a terrible, terrible situation in the sense that they're away from home. This isn't the equivalent of them being in Egypt, but, but yet how many of you know that if you get pulled from your home, that it would be difficult? You go, okay, now I've got to try to make a new life in a new land away from my home, away from family. Things, all these different things that come from being brought into captivity. And so the prophet, he looks back at the past with the present in mind, and he, then he speaks to the future, which is be an exciting moment for the people of Israel if they're going, wow, okay, this is, this is the Lord speaking to us. So the big idea today is this. The way God worked in the past is nothing compared 
to what God wants to do in your future. The way God worked in the past is nothing compared to what God wants to do in your future. God wants to do new things in your life. He wants to to open your eyes to the fact that he is, in fact, working. He wants you to see his presence in in, in all things and in all moments. And, and, And yes, the past happened, and he did some great things there, but he's saying, oh, but if you could only get a glimpse of the things I want to do in your future. So if you don't get anything from this at all today, understand this, that that what God wants to do in your future is greater than anything you've ever experienced or ever known or seen. And that's from the word of God. So the first thing I want to talk about is this, is is God sees your your present. God sees your present. So in this portion of Isaiah, as far as the book of the Bible, uh, from chapters 40 to 55, theologically speaking, the theme that we find in this portion of Isaiah is the, the, the overwhelming idea that Yahweh is the only God. That is this overarching theological theme that we find from Isaiah 40 through 55. Now, it's not a debate of monotheism versus polytheism. It's not this debate of, is there one true God? Is, is, is it one God or multiple God? No, 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 that, that, that is all removed and out the window. He's saying, no, that's not the question. That's not what we're debating. That's not what I'm trying to teach you. I am telling you that it is Yahweh. Yahweh is the one true God. He alone is the one true God, not just the God of Israel, not just the God of Jacob. And I, you know, he says, no, Yahweh is in fact the only God. And so this is what he's, his overarching theme that we find in this portion of Isaiah is that Yahweh is God. And so he's, he's saying, understand this, that, that the God who was with you in the past, the one true God, Yahweh is in fact with you in this moment. Because see, Isaiah is fully aware of the exile to Babylon. He's fully aware of what's going on, right? He's living the moment. He is seeing the moment and and he's walking through it with them. So as he speaks, he's saying, understand that, that the God who walked with you out of Egypt is also the same God that is with you now. And so, so he pulls this in verse 16 through 17. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He's saying, just like he was with you then, in that moment, when you're coming out of Egypt, he is with you now. He's with you in this moment, in a very real way. And sometimes I think we, we, we need to be reminded that, that the God who pulled you through the past is the same God who is walking with you now. The God who pulled you out of the difficulty then is the same God walking with you in this moment. 2005, I was going into my senior year of college, and, and I, it was, that summer was a huge shakeup from my life. It was a huge shakeup in my world, and, and kind of caught off guard, kind of saw it coming, but at the same time, didn't want to accept it in that moment, right? The realization of what it was. My dad had pastored the same church for 18 years. So I grew up in Saxe, Texas. And so I grew up in the same church for 18 years of my life. And we moved there when I was about three years old. And so my whole world was this church. My whole world, my friends were at the church. My, my, we lived pretty much at the church. We had a house, not at the church, but it felt like we lived at the church. I was so involved in the church. I, I worked in the youth department doing worship and stuff in there, and I helped out in different areas around the church all the time. I was at the church 
all the stinking time. All of my friends revolved around that church. I had friends at college, but I would go home every weekend to work, really to hang out with my friends, right? I was like, I mean, I like you guys, but I want to go, you know, see my friends. So it was this kind of thing. So my whole world revolved around, around the church. And in 2005, that summer, my dad took a new position, which meant that the previous 18 years of my life uh, built up deep, deep relationships that I now had to say goodbye to. And I had to walk away from, not, not all of them forever, uh, but a lot of them have been relationships that have now not been re- rejoined just because of time and distance, right? And 2005 was so difficult for me. And I found myself wondering and asking, uh, God, where are you in this moment? Where are you? And, and falling into depression for the first time in my life, not knowing what it was I was in. I just knew that I wasn't right And I knew that I felt so isolated and so distant, even around people, even in a large group, even in a room with, with, you know, 200 students in our youth ministry. And no matter where I was or what we were doing, I felt isolated. I felt alone. I felt separated. And I remember one night sitting on our porch swing in the backyard at our house in Saxe and and saying to God, where are you? Not in a sense of, are you, do you exist? Are you real? But in the sense of, are you not near me in this moment right now? So that summer I I went to youth camp as a counselor with our students. And, and I remember going thinking, okay, Hey, I'm going to be here for these kids. And it was in that moment when somebody on the microphone said, Hey, I feel like God wants to pray for people dealing with depression. And I had not recognized it or, 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 or called it that in that moment, right? I hadn't named it depression. I just knew I didn't feel right. I didn't, I didn't feel connected to people. I felt isolated. I felt separated. I felt like I had been taken from my home in, in exile to Babylon. And I remember in that moment when they said that, all of a sudden, I began to cry and just go, that's me. I didn't realize it, didn't recognize it until that moment and it was so funny that, that in a moment when I felt like I was supposed to be there to help pray for students and to be there to minister for students, God speaks to me. And it was just the stillness of the moment. And, and students were all around because if you go to youth camp and, and you want somebody to pray for you, you've got like 30,000 kids ready to pray for you. Like they're all like all hands on deck. And so you start to sweat because you've got 100 kids with their hands on you. And you're like, oh, I can't, this, y'all are getting heavy, you know, like... Can we, But it was in that moment that I went down there that I felt that God spoke and said, real simple, I'm right here. I'm right here. And that was all it took for for certain questions to be answered. Like, God, are you with me? Are you near me? And he's like, listen, I never walked away. I'm right here. And that was a profound moment in my life of recognizing that, you know what? The same God that was with me when we were in Saxe and, and, and doing things in the church and we were on our high horse and things were going great. The same God that was there when everything was wonderful and good is the same God who's saying, hey, I'm right here. I'm still present. I haven't left you. And in fact, in, in Deuteronomy, we, we get this incredible encouragement where he says, he, he promises to never leave you or forsake you. He said, I'm not turning my back on you. I'm not pulling away. I'm not separating I'm walking right with you. Sometimes it's in the stillness of the moments where we have the most profound realizations of the closeness of God. Even in a room with a thousand students at a youth camp. It's 
in the quietness of the moment of stopping and saying, God, I need to hear from you. And he says, I'm right here. Just like I was then, and just like I will be in the future, in this moment, I'm right here. Maybe this morning you need that, that reassurance and that comfort of saying, hey, God is right there with you. Even when you can't make sense of it, even when you don't fully grasp why you're walking through what you're going through, why you're up against what you're up against, God says, I'm right here. Just like the prophet of Isaiah saying, listen, hey, the same God that, that pulled you out of all of that stuff in Egypt, the same God that walked with you through that, he, he wants to do a new thing. He hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. The second thing is this. We need to be reminded from time to time in our, that, that, that our, our, what happened in our past to reignite our faith. God worked in your past. God worked in your past. Sometimes we need to be reminded of, of, of all that God has done for us so that there can be a, a, an igniting of our faith again. As we read again in, in 16 and 17, he, he goes through this whole deal of, of what, uh, what it is that God did for them on their way out of Egypt. And so he says, he says listen, uh, this is what the Lord says. He made a way through the seas and a path through the mighty waters. He drew out the chariots and the horses and an army uh, uh, reinforcements together. And, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. And, and that's profound. If we, if we stop for a moment and think back to Egypt, Okay. This is what's incredible is that the people of the Israelites that are coming out, they have the shortest memory of any people who ever walked the planet. Think about This is crazy to me. It just blows my mind. I go, okay, so you were there and you were slaves in Egypt. Okay. Y'all remember, you remember that moment. Okay. They remember that part. And, and then, and then, and then he brings all the plagues and he does all of this stuff, Right. And it comes down to the death angel, right? And, and the Passover and, uh, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> I'm gonna take another drink just to make for an awkward pause. All right, so if you recognize the awkward moment, it's not nearly as awkward, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so there they are in Egypt. And so the, God does this miracle after miracle after miracle and signs and wonders with all of these plagues. And, and it's insane. And it's one of those deals that I'm like, man, like I, don't, I wouldn't want to live through any of them, but it might be kind of cool to have like a, a spectator's eye view, you know, from over top and be like, dude, that guy's got a huge boil on his forehead. What just happened? You know, like, or whatever. I don't know. It's like this whole thing that just started happening. And then it comes down to the death angel and, 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 and God spares the Israelites because they were faithful to him and they put the, the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And, and, and then Pharaoh in the moment says, that's it. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Go. He's grieving his son. The loss of his son. And they're sent. They go. And they make it all the way to the Red Sea. And they go, well, that's just great. And somewhere in that moment, God changes the heart of Pharaoh. And he goes, oh, my word, what was I thinking? That was free labor. I've got more pyramids to build and all this stuff. And he goes, that's it. We're going after them. So they start pursuing them again. And they look up. And this is one of the greatest statements of stupidity, um, I think, that you find in the Bible. Because they had just forgotten everything God had just done. I'm, we're talking days at this point. Not long at all. It, it, it's just like, how did you forget this already? They get to the Red Sea and they say this to Moses. What? Was there not, not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? And I'm going, foolish people. Like, come on. 
The same God that was with you to get you out of Egypt is the same God that's with you to get you across the sea. And so then they, they, the, the Israel loves to go back to this moment as a reminder, like, hey, it's the same God. And sometimes we need to remember our past and what God has done because Isaiah is going, do you not remember what God did for you then? He pulled us out. And it's, it's, I love that he says, it's snuffed out like a wick. They lay there never to rise again, meaning that this is the end of the control of Egypt. It is crushed. It is over. There is freedom. It is broken. Let that ignite your faith to remember that God is still capable, that he has the ability and he wants to see freedom in your life. He wants to see those things broken off. He says, remember what happened on your way out. But we all do that, don't we? We're the best at it. We can make fun of Israel because it's all written down. Our our lives don't have awesome books called the Bible to tell everybody what all God has done and all of our failures. But we can easily point to Israel and be like, man, look at how many times that you guys failed. Look at how many times you guys went backwards. Look at how many times you guys forgot. But the reality is we do the exact same thing. I know there's been time and time and time again in my own life where, where God has come through and provided, where God has come through and performed a miracle, where God has come through and worked in a way that, that, that is outside of my realm of control. And then the next thing arises, and what do I do? I worry. I worry again, and I go, oh, God, what are we going to do? Lord, how are we going to get set? And he's like, and I feel like God wants to just slap me across the face every once in a while and be like, snap out of it, dude. I got this. It makes me think of a child. I, I, I love the childlike faith that, that children have simply because they are children. But, but it's not just faith in, in God. It's also faith with, with their parents, right? Have you ever seen a child jump off of something high to their parents and without any hesitation, right? They will just jump because they know they can trust their mom or their dad to catch them. Somewhere along the way, that faith leaves, And I don't know if I could go to my dad right now and jump off of something and trust him to catch me. (laughs) But there is that shift, right? There's that change. And, And I will say this, that it happens before you become an adult. It happens before your parents begin to get older and you don't trust their bones as much as you used to, right? It happens before all of that, that somewhere a child begins to start thinking and processing and going, hmm, I don't know if this is a good idea. What if you look away for a moment? I, I don't know that my oldest son at this point would jump. He probably would. My youngest wouldn't jump. He would look for a way down. He'd be like, can I climb from here? Is there something? Because there's that shift that happens. Because when, when we're children, we, we are in awe of our parents and, and, and what they're capable of and what they can do. And, and my boys think that I am the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it is awesome. And it's, it's not going to last forever. But they're in that phase where they believe if they jump, I'll catch them. And somehow, when we were in our moments, we believed that God would catch us. And in that first moment, we were like, hey, God's got us. God's got us. God's got us. But then our faith begins to waver and doubt begins to creep in. And then the worry comes flooding in. I can only imagine that, that the people of, of, of Judah in this moment as they're in Babylon are beginning to have those moments of doubt creep in when Isaiah's going, uh, hey, um, do you remember when God had you the last time? Do you remember that? He's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it again. Remembering our, our, our past sometimes helps us to reignite our faith. 
Our faith has to be reignited. Our faith has to be reignited. But the third thing is this. God is doing a new thing in your future. Verse 18, he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And we'll stop right there for just a moment. He's saying, remember all those things I just told you about? Remember all that stuff that happened in Egypt? Remember all that? Yeah, we just built your faith back up. Yeah, forget all of it. Like, wait, what do you want me to do right now? Like, what's going on? He says, forget all of that. Let it be as if they never happened. So the word forget there that you find, it actually is, when you do the translation, when you come back to the English, it basically means do not name those things. Do not even, do not even recognize those things. Don't mention those things. He's saying, don't even just forget it. Don't ever bring them up. Don't even give them a name. Right? If you have something you love, you name it, right? Like your, your children, your dog or whatever, you give it a name. He's saying, don't name it. Act as if it never was. So forget those things. I mean, it's crazy. He's like, whoa, this is like the biggest moment in, 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 in Israel history when God parted the Red Sea and we walked on the dry land and then it crashed in on the Egyptians. He's like, yeah, forget all of that. Forget all of that. And why? Why? Why is that? And he says, because verse 19, he says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise that they may proclaim my praise. The full understanding of this is, um, is that the creator God, the, the, the God of all creation, is doing a new, more creative thing. He's saying, just, just like I did things for you before, and your mind was blown, like the waters part, and, and the walls of Jericho come down, all those, like, those are great things, and, and, and the God with his creative mind says, march around a city and then watch the walls come down, right? right? That takes some creativity to come up with, and God is, the, the God of all creation is saying, I'm doing a new thing. The word new implies that it's never been done before. The word new implies that, that there is a more creative solution than you've ever seen than you've ever walked through, that you've ever encountered. It's incredible when you stop and, and, and you, you go, wow. So, so he says, see, I am doing it. That word see, it means like behold or, or, or stop and listen to what's about to be said. He says, see, I am doing anything. That word is so strong. And, and if you see that in the Old Testament, if you see the word behold or the word see, it means that whatever is about to be said is a big deal. Meaning, I want to get your attention. I want your focus right here on what's being said. He says, I am doing a new thing. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Something that has never been done before. Something you've never experienced before. God is a God of new. He's a God of new. That's why we become new creations in Christ. It's that renewing, it's that, it's that rebirth, right? Because when you are a baby, you are new to life. You're new to this world. And he's saying, I, I'm a God of new and I'm gonna do something new, something fresh, something that you've never experienced, something that you've never walked through or imagined because it has not yet been done. Think about your life for a moment. 
in, in moments when, when God has shown up and, and provided or moments when God has shown up and brought you out of something, has he ever done it the same way twice? Most likely not. Most likely you go, oh, wow, I was in a desperate need, and then this happened. I was in a desperate need, and then this person showed up. I was in, you know, God, God likes to do things differently because he doesn't want us to become so uh, sold into one source. He wants us to realize that God is our source, right? And so he doesn't allow it to come from the same thing over and over and over. You know, he's like, I'm your father, and I'm going to be the provider, right? I'm going to be the one that cares for you. I'm going to do the new thing. When I think about Grace Hill, and all that God has done in the past in this church already, it's incredible. It's incredible. The fact that Grace Hill is still a church, that the doors are open, and that it is functioning and operating is a miracle. Because in the time that this church was planted, in the time that this church was started, there have been countless other churches come and go. Countless other churches come and go. And I can't speak to why or, 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 or what happened or why God said, you know what, this isn't right, this needs to be done. Or whatever. I, I can't speak to those things, I don't know. But I do know this, that, that it's an incredible thing that God allowed this church to sustain and stay open. And then I think about the fact that we have 17,000 square feet in this building. And you might go, seriously? Yeah, I had the same thought. When they started showing me around, like it just goes and goes. Like there's room, and I'm like, whoa, it's incredible. That shouldn't be happening. And then on top of that, that the remodel in this building has been done without adding more debt. It's been done debt-free. That's a miracle. That's incredible. Those are things we can celebrate and that we can praise God for. And we can go, man, God, this is awesome. And then I think about the percentage of volunteers that we have at Grace Hill and all of the people involved and, and, and the number of, uh, of different missionaries that we're able to support and the different organizations that we're able to give to, to see what, what, what God can do outside of the walls of our church. It's incredible incredible. And then God says, see, I am doing a new thing, which tells me this, that all of this, everything that has been up to this moment, up to this point, up to this point in time is all for the future. It is all for the new thing that God wants to do through Grace Hill. The new thing God wants to do through Grace Hill in this place. Now, that seems like a fitting place to plug Vision Sunday. So I'm just going to say it. it's next Sunday, so be here. Uh, you probably already knew that. If you didn't, it's probably your first time here. So thank you for being here this morning. Vision Sunday is next Sunday. And if you're wondering, yes, that is in my notes. I'll just tell you right there. <laughs> and what's great about it is, is this, is that the moment you walk in the building, that you, you'll see new. You're going to see changes. There's going to be differences. There's going to be things that are subtle. Nothing made. You know, I'm not like, we're not coming through and just changing everything up. Like, if you volunteer next week, expect everything to be different. I'm just kidding. It's not true. That's not what we're doing. But there will be differences. You'll see things different because God is doing something new. Can I tell you that he's been birthing this in me for months and months of prayer, and the excitement is hard to contain, and I'm not going to go into it now uh, because it's for next week, and I don't want to get, uh, get ahead of myself, but, but God is doing something new. He's doing something new. I, I found this, that, that God is not content to sit back and just watch things crumble and die. That, that is not his heart. And, and, and if you saw the video that played as we were transitioning, and it says that there are 1.43 million people in the city of Dallas. It's a big city. 18% go to church. 
That's not good enough. And it's not good enough for God either. He's like, listen, I want to do something new. I want to do something bold in the city of Dallas. I want to do something great. Are are we the solution and the answer? Absolutely not. But if we are obedient to the Lord and we walk with God, God is going to make a way to be able to be effective in this city. God wants us to do something new in the city. He wants us to be effective in this city. And if I don't slow down, we're going to jump into vision and and we're going to be here another two hours. And so I'm going to pull back. I'm going to pull back. I'm going to pull back. Be here next week. (laughs) I won't preach two hours. I promise you that. I shouldn't have promised that. I won't. I don't have that much to say. But the question is, what is God speaking to you? What is the new thing God wants to do in your life? What is the new, what is the new thought that he's put into your heart? What, what is he saying? Maybe he's saying, listen, hey, this year it's time for you to, to step up a little more. It's time for you to do more. Or maybe he's saying, this year I, I want you to do something different in the church. Maybe he's saying, at your house and at home, I want you to lead your family in a better way. In your home, I want you to lead your family in, in, in devotional time. I want you to lead your family in prayer time. Maybe, maybe he's pushing you and he's saying, you need to start there. I want you to lead at home first. Because if we miss our children, we miss a whole generation. He's saying, lead there. I, what, what is it that God is speaking to you? What is he saying to you? What is he pushing you into that is new this year? I know this, that God wants to make streams flow out of areas in your life that were once the wilderness. He wants to make waters flow in your life for for refreshing so that in the end, what what, what does he want us to do? He wants us to praise him. That's what all of this is about. It's about God receiving glory and honor. It's all about God's name being glorified and lifted high and magnified. And this is the opportunity as he does a new thing to be able to glorify our father in heaven. Invite the worship team. We're going to wrap up today a little bit differently than, than, than we have, but um, I, I just feel like God has wanted me to do this, and I was going to do this last week, but uh, obviously the opportunity didn't present itself as I was laying in bed not feeling well. And I know this, that, that God wants to do a new thing in our church. He wants to do a new thing in your life. I believe this, that 2019 could be the greatest year that you've ever experienced. 2019 could be the greatest year you've ever walked through. And and it could be the year that God does something so significant and so new in your life that you mark it as one of the greatest years you've ever walked through. I've had moments like that in my life where I look back and it's it's like those altar building moments where where you build an altar to go back to and say, "This this is what God did then. This is what God did in that moment. So my belief for this year is that that God wants to do something new in each and every life, in each and every heart in this room. He wants to see you grow. He wants to see you become the best version of you. He wants to see you become more like him in all things. God's heart is not content to leave us the same. That's why sanctification is is always ongoing. We, We never arrive, right? We never get there. It's this continual walk and process where God is saying, come on, we can be better. We can be better. We can be better. I want to do something new. I want to do something new. I want to do something new. Here's what I want to do. I want to invite everybody to come front. Everybody to come forward.
and, when, and, and, and I want to speak over you. I want to pray over you. This is not like a cheap way to like pad the stats for an altar call. Listen, this is just like a genuine, like this is what I feel like God wants us to do is have everybody come forward. Everybody come forward. Just come stand up front with us. Come forward, come forward, come forward. This is not some tricky way to, to, to get you to be like, I need Jesus. No, 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 no. This is, that's not what this is. That's not what this is. This is, this is me wanting to pray over you as, as we move into 2019. As we move into 2019. I, I want you to hear my heart. Um, and, and I hope that I, I share my heart enough that you, you know my heart. But I want you to hear this. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe that God has assembled a great church here. I believe that God has brought together men and women who love him dearly and that he's brought together people with skill sets and talents to be effective in reaching the lost, to be effective in reaching outside of our our walls and, and seeing people come to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. And that may push some of us, right? It may challenge us to do more. It may challenge us, but listen to this. I believe in you. I believe that God has equipped you. He's equipped you. He's made you capable to reach people that you never thought you could reach. He may be shifting your mindset and the way you view your job to say, okay, it's no longer the place that provides for my family, but that is the mission field that God has called me to. He may be shifting the way you think about your neighborhood or you go, man, if one day we could just get out of this place and move to another, maybe God has called you to those people. Maybe God is saying, this is where I've placed you. This is the people that I've called you to. There are people around you that need Jesus and you are the answer for them, right? You are the solution that they're looking for. They don't know that, but you have the answer. I believe this, that 2019 will be the greatest year that Grace Hill has ever seen because God is gonna use you. He's gonna use you. He's gonna use you. He's gonna use you. He wants to pour out his spirit on you and allow you to walk in that and be able to, to flow with where God's leading and how he's speaking, to be aware of what it is that God is doing. I know this for a fact that God has called each and every single one of you. You are destined. You have a purpose. You have a reason. And in 2019, God wants to reveal that. He wants to do a new thing in your heart and in your life. And as we grow, as we, as we become more like Christ in 2019 together, it's only going to be an outflow in, into the city around us. And our church is only going to be better because of it, because we have grown and become more like Christ. Hear me. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. This year, I'm believing for, for, for walls to break. I'm believing for bondage to break. I'm believing for, for sicknesses to be healed. I'm believing, for, I'm believing for lives to be changed forever because of the impact of the outpouring of the Spirit of God, because of an encounter with Jesus. How many of you know that Jesus changes things, right? And people need Jesus. We, 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 we're surrounded by broken people. We're surrounded by broken people, and they need Jesus. Amen? Let me pray over you. Father, we love you, Lord. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for Grace Hill. I thank you for this church. Lord, that you would call Lauren and I here to lead, to lead this church. Lord, I am overwhelmed by the blessing of being here. So I thank you for that, God. I thank you for that. And so Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus over each and every single man and woman in, in this church, every child in this church, every student in this church, Lord, every, every leader, every volunteer, every person in this church, God, I speak over them and I say in the name of Jesus, God is doing a new thing. In the name of Jesus, God is breaking down walls. In the name of Jesus, God is breaking off bonds 
bondage in the name of Jesus. He is, he is setting people free from sin and addiction. God is doing a new thing in the hearts and the lives of the people in this church. And in 2019, it will be the greatest year that we have ever experienced as a people, that we've ever experienced as a church, because God, you want to do a new thing. And so Father, we surrender our hearts to where you're leading. We surrender our hearts to what you're speaking and to what you're doing. And we proclaim that 2019 will be the year of our Lord in this church, that this will be the year that God does greater things than we've ever seen. This will be the year that God does greater things than we've ever known as a church. And we are, are already just in awe of what you want to do. So God, as you begin to build the excitement, the anticipation for what you're going to accomplish through this church, Lord, we just say, Father, we're surrendered to what you want to do. We're surrendered to what you want to do. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray over every family. God, I pray for, I pray for every man in the house to lead their homes, to be the priest of their homes that you have called them to be, that you have placed them to be. Lord, and for every home where the man isn't present, Lord, I pray over the mother to be the priest of their home. God, that you anoint him to be used of you to lead their children in relationships with you, God, to lead their children in understanding of you. So God, we pray over the families in our church. God, I pray that you equip us to reach our children, that you equip us to reach our children. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for what you did in 2018. We thank you for what you did in 2017 and 16 and 15, but God, we thank you now for what you're gonna do in 2019. We praise you for it. We give you glory and we give you honor for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we wanna hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc. 